Drawing on an inspiring lesson from Noah's life, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Noah's life reminds us over and over again that you can live in the middle of an evil, corrupt culture where the whole world's seemingly against you, and you can live by faith in the one true living God. That you don't have to go with the flow. That you can stand for what is right and what is righteous. That you can be empowered by God to go against the flow. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. The challenge of living in a fallen world is not a new problem for the people of God. We face it in our day. So we must resolve to live lives of integrity. Well, today's Abounding Grace will help us do just that and more. Last time we heard of Noah's faith, despite the intense opposition from the culture. Here now with more lessons from his remarkable life, found in Hebrews 11 and Genesis 6, is Pastor Ed Taylor. You can live in the middle of an evil, corrupt culture where the whole world's seemingly against you, and you can live by faith in the one true living God. That you don't have to go with the flow. That you can stand for what is right and what is righteous. That you can be empowered by God to go against the flow. Noah was given a distinct word from God, and he received it. And this idea of a warning is the same word that was given. It's the same word used translated into the Greek that was used in the New Testament to warn Mary and Joseph not to, to go to Egypt. It was the same word that was given to Cornelius that he would receive a visitor. It's God wanting to speak to us, and he tells him to build a boat. Now, consider this for a second. If you were in Noah's sandals, I like to put myself in the characters that I'm reading. I like to, to, to kind of view it the best that I can of how Noah felt when he received this word. So think about this. He knows the evil around, so he gets that. He lives in it. He understands that. But when God tells him about a worldwide flood, well, what's a flood? What's rain? What's an ark? What's a boat? And you can think of the many questions that would come to Noah in a time like this. But you know, the text never gives us any insight that Noah questioned God. I know for me, looking at my own life, I would probably offer up some questions and obedience. It would kind of be a mixed thing for me. I'm one of those guys that likes more information. And I'm one of those guys that likes things in order. You know? And so I, would, I can imagine, even if I, didn't, even if I didn't ask them out loud, they'd be in my head. It's like, what, what, what's a, okay, I'll build the boat, but what's rain? And what's a flood? And why would you judge the whole world? And then how would it feel? How would it feel if you got that and you started building the ark? And then a year passed and nothing happens. Two years passed, nothing happens. Five years, 10 years. If you've ever waited on the Lord for anything, you know how hard it is to wait on the Lord and to wait for his word to come to pass. Noah's in a challenging place here. We kind of read through the text so quickly, but from the time that he was given the command to build and the time that the flood came, Many believe it was about 120 years. 
<laughs> Have you ever waited for anything for 120 years of the things not seen, not known? I mean, it's not 120 years for us, is it? It's 120 seconds or weeks or five years. The boat is a large boat, and I can get it. You know, I can, one of the questions I probably asked, you know, if God said, build the boat in your front yard, I already know that the HOA is going to be emailing me. So just expect it. But Lord, what about the HOA? I'll take care of the HOA, you know. What will my neighbors say? What what will my friends say? I mean, in a very real way, you live in the same environment. In a very real way, you you know, you, you talk to somebody about what you learned this weekend, and they're just like, really, you believe in Noah and the ark? And how dumb is that? The Bible's just so dumb. Why do you believe in something so dumb? And you're like, what do you mean? And you'd be challenged. But see, through your steady obedience in your life, you and I, we follow in the footsteps of Noah. Again, jot this down. Let me read it to you in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Peter writes, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people. And check this out. He's called a preacher of righteousness, bringing the flood on the world of the ungodly. Noah was a preacher of righteousness, but, but he wasn't like a preacher maybe like I am or standing behind a pulpit speaking forth the words of God. Noah was a preacher, not like at 16th Street Mall, standing up on a box and yelling at people, you're sitting, going out, not like that. He was a preacher of righteousness through his steady obedience in the unknown without full understanding. He was able to obey God toward the unknown without full understanding how? By faith. It was his faith that moved him to obedience. It was his faith that gave his ears the ability to receive the word from God. It was faith that moved his heart. And it was faith that he prepared this ark. He wasn't a street preacher with a scroll in his hand. His actions preached salvation and judgment, and deliverance, and help, and hope. The warning of God affected him. It moved him. What does 120 years of steady obedience bring you in the face of mounting pressure, mockery, ridicule? I'll tell you what it brings you, a godly heritage. A godly heritage. Where God began maybe in your family with you. The godly heritage starts with you, or perhaps you came from a family. As you look back generations, isn't it a blessing to know you came from a godly heritage? You're continuing on that. How? By steady obedience. You have a worshipful relationship with God. You have a walk with God, and it leads you to work for God. The last days are going to be just like the days of Noah. People won't care. They won't care about the things of God. They'll come against the things of God. And what's sad about this is that much of the church gets caught up in this. Much of the church that doesn't care about the coming of the Lord. Some churches, so many today, don't even care that Jesus is returning. So many churches today have tried to explain away the rapture of the church or treat it like it's nonsense or man made it up. No, the Bible says the rapture of the church is the blessed hope of the saints. 
The return of Jesus Christ is hope, and it leads to purity. I mean, if we're like the one that says, oh, my master's going to delay, and I don't care, and we're like the five foolish virgins that weren't ready, then we're going to live like that. We're going to live compromised lives that when the voice of the Lord comes to us, it doesn't move us, we don't obey, and we will reap the consequences of our steady. Listen, listen. You'll reap the consequences of your steady disobedience. And steady disobedience doesn't lead to a godly heritage. 120 years, it didn't make a dent in the hearts of the people until the first drop of rain fell. Oh, I hate you. What are you doing, Noah? You're such a goofball. You're taking the things of, oh, you hear from God, do you? It doesn't take long to see people are mocking that, yeah, God speaks to you. You say, oh, yeah, God speaks to me. Oh, you're one of those. And they always have some kind of name. You're one of those. (laughs) Yeah, I am. I actually am. I am one of those. And I'm grateful to be one of those. And my heart is for you to be one of those, that you understand God's love for you. You know, because I was one of those, those before I got saved. A mocker. I used to make fun of people that followed Jesus. I used to blaspheme Jesus with my own lips. And despite the decisions I made to rebel against God, he loved me still, passionately pursued me, and changed my life. God is doing that same work in you. It's not enough. It's not enough just to play act. God is wanting you to go deeper in your walk and relationship with him. Let me tell you, friends, the coming of the Lord is a big deal. Jesus promised to return, and his return can happen at any moment. He's promised. Believers are to learn something from the unbelievers of Noah's day. We are to learn something from Noah. We're to learn something from the days of Noah. A hundred years didn't make a difference until the rain started falling. And we're like, oh, man. What is this? It says in Hebrews 11 that Noah was moved with godly fear. He was internally provoked, which caused him to externally prepare. His faith led to works. And when Noah takes God at his word, it does something inside of him. It changes him. He was moved with awe and reverence. And that faith sustained him for the 120 years of mockery and ridicule. I mean, you think about it. He just went on, got the wood, cut it down, fashioned it. He's building this ark, building this ark, day after day, building this massive structure. And what kept him strong? His faith, his trust in God. Now, as we wind down today, I want to speak to the moms and dads here. And by extension to the grandmas and the grandpas that are among us today. I wanted you to consider something. I want you to consider something when you think of Noah because it says in chapter 7 that he was preparing the ark. Why? For the saving of his household. Now jot this down. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 8. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 8. I just want you to receive it. I want you to hear it. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And I know many of mom and dad have taken this seriously. You have taken this teaching seriously in its context. This is speaking about the financial provision for your family. 
And so you work hard and you work diligently to provide for the needs of your family, to put a roof over their head, clothes on their back, food on the table, and you've taken it seriously. And that's exactly what Paul is teaching young Timothy as a pastor. Make sure, he's basically saying, make sure you teach the church to take care of their own. It starts with the family. Do you know the help that's being looked for actually doesn't start with the church. It starts with your family. You take care of your family first. But for those of you that have taken this seriously, I think that you've only gone 50% of what's intended. Because I believe the application of this text also speaks of not only providing for your home financially, but also providing for your home spiritually. Spiritually. Far too many have only provided 50% of what's needed in their home. And because this is spoken of in a material way, many have launched off in successful careers. I know that if an unexpected bill comes your way or some medical crisis or something's needed, many of you, without hesitation, you're going to go out and get a second job, get a third job. You're going to do what it takes, no matter what it costs. You're going to do what it takes to provide for the needs of your family. And that's commendable. But many times, it's not. Many times, you really don't need that second job. You don't really need that overtime because you've provided for the needs of your family very well. And what I believe God is teaching us in the life of Noah today, that some of you need to get a second job for the spiritual discipleship of your kids. You're responsible to lead your kids in the ways of the Lord. We'll see this later on in a, in a text as I develop this in a later section of Hebrews. But listen, parents, you have one job. You don't have two, you don't have 10, you don't have a thousand responsibilities. As a parent, you have one job, and that is get your kids to the cross of Jesus Christ. Bring them to the place where they understand God's love, his death and resurrection, and bring them to the cross. That's it. You're not responsible to make sure they're professional athletes, that they're all well-educated. You're not responsible that they have the best, newest stuff. You're not, that's not, that's not your, your singular, you have one responsibility. Get your kids to the Lord. And how will you do that? But by preaching righteousness, but not in the traditional way. You say, okay, kids, you know, when your kids come home from school and you're standing there with a loaf of bread and they're walking in, what's going on, dad? This is the bread of life. Repent. It's like, you know, it's the preacher of righteousness do your steady obedience. Because let me tell you something about your kids. They're very smart and very perceptive. And more in our kids' lives is caught, not taught. And your responsibility is to live a life of steady obedience that will leave a godly heritage to your kids. Now, you may be here today and you're not, you're of age. You're here with your parents, you're with your grandparents, and you're of age. You can't, through your behavior, blame your parents for your rebellion today. You're responsible. God will hold you accountable for your rebellion. It's not your parents' fault. I've found over the years that we as parents have done the best that we can with what we've had. And if anyone knows our failures the most, it's our kids. They live with us. I look back in my life and I see I've raised my kids into adulthood. We've raised them into adulthood. We've taken them through those, and we've pointed them to the Lord. But I, always, I didn't always do it well. 
I remember as a new believer, I was so excited for God and so concerned about my family and so concerned that my kids didn't turn out like me that I was rather legalistic in those early years. And I'd go through the house and, man, we're this, we are nothing of the devils in this house. And we're just sweeping the house of everything. Music, toys, cartoons. I mean, poor Eddie, my oldest, man, he bore the brunt of most of that. And he just had the greatest personality. He said, whatever, Dad, whatever, whatever. He probably thought in the back of his mind, you're crazy, but whatever. <laughs> but even in that zealousness, I know that I was a better dad than before I wasn't saved. I know that God, and God taught me over the years how to teach my kids, how to disciple them and raise them, how to live in this culture, but stay pure of this culture. You're responsible for your kids. I'm not responsible for your kids. Even though I love your kids. I really do. I love the kids of this. I treat, I believe the kids of this church are like my own kids. I love your kids. I love the ability to build bridges with them. I mean, even last night, I walk in. I've been gone for a couple weeks. I walk in last night to the prayer time with the pastors. And before I know it, I got a little girl running up giving me a hug. And her brother's right behind her giving me a toy that he made, a baby Yoda. He was so excited to show me, and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And, and I handed it back. He says, no, that's for you. Thank you very much. And then someone, not, it wasn't a kid, but somebody gave me a cookie yesterday, baby Yoda cookie. And, and the little thing on the box said, Yoda best pastor. <laughs> that's awesome. I love this church. And I love your kids. And I want to see your kids follow Jesus. And I want to see them not. The world that they live in is so hard. You think it's hard for you? Think of how it is for a kid. Think of how it is they're facing things at first grade, second grade, that you and I faced eighth, ninth, tenth grade. And it messed us up at that age. How do you think it's happening to the kids today? You're the front line, mom and dad. And, and I'll do my part. And, and I want to build the bridge. You know, if a kid's going to trust me with a toy, that means he's going to trust me to tell him the truth about Jesus. And so I want to build those relationships. I want to be trustworthy in your kids. I want to be a memory in your kid's life of a man that went out strong and that was committed to what God called him to do. He wasn't a perfect man, but a man committed. And I want you to be that man and that woman in your own kid's life. We're going to do our part as a church, but we can never replace you. You have way more time with your kids. And if you think, if you think, that spending 90 minutes here looking and sounding one way and the rest of the week looking and sounding another way is going to help your kids get to the cross, you're wrong. It's not going to happen that way. And I know when we share these things, there's many of you who go, well, Ed, I look back and I made so many mistakes. Listen, this isn't a time for condemnation. Today is the day where things change. You have been divinely warned. I pray that you're moved with godly fear and you start to prepare the ark for the salvation of your kids and your grandkids. Because you know the ark? It's a big boat, right? But it's a beautiful picture. Did you know that the ark is actually a picture and a type of Jesus Christ? You go, well, what do you mean? Well, if you were in the ark, the Bible says once they went in, God shut the door. And they were safe in the ark. The judgment didn't touch them. They actually, the ark was on the top of the waters of judgment. And after the judgment came, Noah, and who went in? His kids. 
Nobody in the billions of people that are on the planet responded to his message but his kids. And I don't care what your career is, how much money you might have, what you're into, it's not more important than your kids, ever. It's not. And I know that there's a passion in you. It just gets sapped by other things. And the life of Noah is reminding us to prepare the ark for the salvation of our family. And if they're older and they're not walking with the Lord, it's on them, but you never stop being a parent, never. You never stop. Providing for your family doesn't stop with money. It also must be provided spiritually. And dads, you're on the front line. Dads, you're the front line. Now I realize too that there are some single dads doing double time, there's single moms doing double time. You're the front line, mom. And although it's hard and more difficult and more challenging, God will meet you with his grace in your weakness. And he'll help you. And he'll strengthen you. As I know you have to work hard. I know things can be hard and expensive. God knows that. But if you can get a second or a third job to provide financially, listen, get a second or third job to provide spiritually. And focus on your kids. Noah obeyed, and the consequences of obedience was that his family was saved. They believed him. That's encouraging. They believed dad. I go, okay, dad. All right, 120 years. And then their relationship with their wives, they all went in. And we know his sons weren't perfect either, but they believed, and they got saved. Isn't that so good? You go, man, my life's so messed up. I got such a background. Yeah, yeah. If you believe, you'll be saved. God will change you on the inside out. You don't have to clean things up before you come to him. He'll change you on the inside out. And to me, this is encouraging. This is encouraging to me, to the dad, to the mom, to the pastor, to the teacher, to the missionary, to the servant of the Lord. Noah is judged. Listen, Noah is judged for his faithfulness, not his success. (laughs) You go, oh, only six people. Only six people listen to me. Yeah, Noah, the most important six people on the planet Earth listen to you. But what about, you know, what kind of preacher of righteousness when most of the world resisted and rebelled? Well, that's on them. He was judged for his faithfulness. And to me, that's encouraging. Because one day, Jesus is going to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. He's not going to say, well done, good and successful servant. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful The consequences of yielding to the Lord, no matter what the task, what is going on around us, is the saving of our household. And parents, you're front and center, seeking the Lord, leading your family, discipling, helping, knowing the word of God so that when your kids come to you with these questions, you answer them by God's authoritative word. That it is sufficient. Remember, the word of God is inspired by God. And it's sufficient so that you might be instructed and corrected, that you might grow and be equipped. And you can answer your kids' questions. You can lead them to the Lord. It's never too late to start working. And it's never too late to start working overtime, seeking God, building a career, not just in this world, but for the eternal world to come. Building the ark for the salvation of your family. 
It's never too late to begin anew in the Lord. Be encouraged by that today. We're going verse by verse through Hebrews here on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is our Bible teacher. Listen to our programs online at AboundingGraceRadio.com and through the Calvary Church app. And thank you for remembering Abounding Grace in your giving to the Lord. Every gift that comes in goes right to ministry. It plays an important role in helping us bring the truths of God's Word to the radio every day. And when you support the ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'll say thanks by sending you Depression, Looking Up from the Stubborn Darkness. We realize depression is a very real and common struggle, even among Christians. And God has the help you need. Edward Welch thoughtfully looks into depression, offering real and lasting hope to those that struggle. To order it today, call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also go to calvaryco.store on the web, and there you can order our picks of the month. If you'd just like to make a donation to the ministry and are not interested in the book, you can donate safely and securely at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We're gathering in person here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, and we'd love to have you join us for a service. To see when and where we meet or to watch our live stream, visit CalvaryCO.Church. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 